Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Right. I will not sow division, but I will point out where I am different from what's going on right now, and that's with the Department of Justice. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Dr. Oz standing by. Admiral James Chavitas, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO at the bottom of the hour, the latest on this Iranian deal we seem to be walking blindly into, and we're helpless to stop it, and we're dealing with the Russians horribly. They're trying to assassinate our officials, but we're still doing this terrible deal uh, because this administration wants it done, and then we're going to be talking to Dr. Oz. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. To place someone on a bus for 45 hours without medical care, without food, water, proper sanitary conditions, and just send them to a city that they know nothing about, uh, that is traumatic for anyone. Oh, really? Do they know anything about McCallum, Texas, or the Rio Grande Valley with their sneaking into illegally? The broken border. Brawling lawmakers leads to chaos and a flood of illegals into our cities, towns, and specifically schools and shelters. Unless Biden and his party pay a price in November, this will never get fixed. Number two. It's been a very good week for President Biden and the Democrats, but it's also been a good week for American families. I mean, we are uh, on the cusp of passing the Inflation Reduction Act and having it come to the president's desk. Uh, that is a very happy Kate Benningfield uh, and Karine Jean-Pierre uh, talking about the Biden agenda about to pass. That's what's happening in the House. The Manchin-Schumer spending monstrosity named the Inflation Reduction Act will not reduce inflation. Now President Biden will begin a victory tour. Good move. Number one. The Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. Go ahead and do it. That's the message from the Trump camp when it comes to the warrant to raid Mar-a-Lago as rumors fly on the reason the FBI did the raid to begin with. Clearly Merrick Garland's game and the DOJ is on their heels and the Trump team knows it. I'll explain. And about three o'clock today, by that deadline, the magistrate judge said, hey, Trump team, tell me if you're going to protest if I release the warrant, the affidavits, the list of things that we took on Monday. And then not only did the Trump team not wait till three o'clock, they went ahead on Truth Social and put out that they're going to let everything out. Dr. Memonaz, this is the madness that you are campaigning to be a part of. Uh, as a doctor, you could have done anything as a talk show host. You're at the top of the heap. When you see this craziness, are you wondering if this is worth it? Not at all. And I'll tell you why, because in, in medicine, you deal with complexity. You know, I spent my whole life believing in people. If you, if you give them the right information, they'll make the right decisions. And what surgeons do, they make difficult decisions. They take bold action when needed, and they tell the truth. And I got to say, that's exactly what we need in Washington. That's why I want to represent Pennsylvania. It is shocking what we're seeing here. And whenever you do something that raises more questions than gives you answers, like this raid in Mar-a-Lago, you know, as you, that you put, you know, put at the top of your t- talking points, it, it is stunning. It just doesn't take us in the direction where we need to be. Imagine if you're in China right now, you're licking your chops. 
You're watching us, you know, do things that don't seem to advance the bigger challenges that we got to address. And, you know, <laughs> we keep making the same mistake over and over again. We need some sensibility. I would hope so. Uh, there's a Washington Post report that the president had on the compound, according to a tipster, uh, had uh, plant nuclear, uh, nuclear plants, uh, whatever, top secret nuclear plants. I have no idea. Uh, whether that's true or not, I did speak to people in the Trump camp yesterday, and they laughed that off. Uh, so, Dr. Oz, let's talk about you. You had one of, the, one of those high-profile primaries, hard-fought win over Dave McCormick, very successful business person. But word is the Republican Party is not consolidating around you. Number one, is that true? Number two, if it is, how do you fix it? It's not true. They're consolidating. They just need time. Whenever you have a a hard fought battle. You know, people lick their wounds. But Dave McCormick himself is a professional. He's endorsed. He actually donated to my campaign. And by the way, that's a very important thing if you're running for politics is get people to support you. So DrOz.com is my website. As you hear more about the, the candidate that I'm going against, you'll want to support me. So please do it. Dave McCormick and many others have done. The other Senate candidates have done the same thing. The, the Republicans know the story here. This is This is a a radical candidate that I'm going against, the furthest far-left radical candidate in any contested Senate race in America this, this year, probably the most radical candidate that's ever tried to be a senator from Pennsylvania. We, you know, we have a proud tradition of being purple. We usually have one of each, right? One Democrat, we have one of those, and Pat Toomey, who's the Republican, is stepping down. It should be a seat that a Republican fills. Uh, but this fellow, Fetterman, is fascinating. He will not campaign. He doesn't leave his home. He had a stroke prior to the primary, and his primary was fairly uncontested, so we had a lot of money saved up, which he's been attacking me with. And, you know, it tells a story of him being a moderate and a happy-go-lucky guy. Not the case. And it's interesting that he paints me as the elitist. When my dad grew up on a dirt floor, came to this country, and I was blessed to live the American dream, which is why I was able to achieve the success that I have. And I've worked hard uh, doing the things that I've done in my life because I believe right. in you. I know that you can be the best person in your life if I give you the tools you need. I believe that as a doctor and as a surgeon, I gave it to my patients continually. And in, as a talk show host, I did the same, which is what you try to do. My opponent lived in the lap of luxury by his own uh, admission in privilege. His parents paid for all his expenses until very recently. And crazy thing is, uh, when you twist the truth, you, 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 you can con people. But that's the job we have right now as Republicans. You know, we don't have as much money as Democrats, but we don't need as much money. All we got to do is make sure we have the best candidates, which we do, and the best ideas. And what we stand for as right. the Republican Party is fruitful, thoughtful ways of addressing the biggest challenges. I'll give you two quick examples. Energy policy, where there's just no way the Green New Deal, which my opponent is an advocate for, could work. He believes fracking is a stain on Pennsylvania. I know. Wait, saying, so he's against fracking. He's against fracking in Pennsylvania. Yes, which is, again, you think, well, how's that possible? He, he signed a document with a lot of fanfare to ban fracking in Pennsylvania. This is a, at a time, you know, it's 90 degrees here now. You know, you can't, you, if you look at the electric grid, it's coming from natural gas and other sources, not coming from green sources. Green sources are less than 3% probably of the grid right now. So you have to be, you know, you can't just be a far left radical and just blow things out there and, and, uh, and, you know, tweet things that are insulting. You actually have to have policies, ideas to campaign on. He will not do that. Today, for the first time, hopefully, he's going to go out and say something publicly. He doesn't take questions from reporters. He, he's, you know, I challenged him to debates. We've got five debates that we just agreed to from respected 
mainstream outlets here in Pennsylvania. These are the debates that most candidates do. No answer from his side. And I'm going to say, you know, if in order to dance, you, you need two to tango, right? So in America, we expect in our democracy right. for both candidates to go out there and talk to the people, answer questions, hear their concerns, well, address issues. He, he won't do it. John Fetterman did endorse Bernie Sanders, says we stand together in 2016. So I'm not sure that I did not know Pennsylvania uh, would look for a Vermont Democrat or a socialist Democrat, but that is different than he portrays himself as a working class guy. Uh, He has not been able to campaign trail. You mentioned he had a stroke. Well, he actually uh, has an event. He'll host an event tonight in Erie County. Uh, he expect to open up for the first time since that stroke. So he was doing the Biden campaign strategy, which got him the win from his basement. But now he's going back. Uh, so do you believe from I guess you're a doctor. You're not his doctor, but he's at 52 years old. He's got some serious health issues, but he also has a serious advantage over you, Dr. Oz. It seems as though he's got a uh, he's got a 47 to 30 percent advantage with 23 percent undecided. How did he open up that type of lead in such a contested state? Well, I haven't seen those numbers as you just shared, but the, I mean, he, he, he has a lead, but it's not a huge lead. And more importantly, the lead is based on a fiction. He had a lot of money saved up because he didn't have a contested primary. We started hammering me as I was winning mine. And he's run ads saying uh, that, you know, I'm, you know, an elitist disconnected and, and that he is this, you know, man of the people. It's the opposite. And this is the as a as a faux populist, he's trying to 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 con people. This is a bigger indictment of how campaigns are being run right now. What basically is occurring is the Democratic candidate Fetterman is hiding, letting advertisers portray a hologram of him, create a fictional character that a lot of people say, Well, that's a pretty good idea. I'll vote for that guy. But it's not the truth. And when you get into office and you can't deliver because he hasn't ever delivered it, but, you know, he serves as a lieutenant governor now. He's called, everyone calls him lazy. He doesn't show up. He doesn't, doesn't do his job. He's been thrown out of the chamber. I mean, this, he, he pulled down the U.S. flag and put up a pot flag. You know, I just got the endorsement of the Paternal Order of Police. The, the, a woman came, stood up during the, this huge event, hundreds of cops around me. They're just trying to debate whether I'm going to be the endorsed candidate or not. And she gets up and says, I'm from the Capitol Police. I'm from Harrisburg, where he's now serving. I have never been so disrespected by, by a man in my life. He treats us, all of us, like with pieces of, of stuff stuck under the bottom of your shoe when you walk out of a dog park. He said, I, we, and it became a unanimous vote to endorse me. So he's right. a polarizing far left candidate who told his before his stroke when he was actually out once in a while talking, he told a group of people that if you like Joe Manchin, do not vote for me. Think about what he's saying. What he's saying is I'm so far left, I don't even want to talk to people who like a centrist Democrat. I don't want to have anything to do with them. His job, he says, go in there, bust the filibuster, which he's already said he's gonna do. Pack the Supreme Court, make it so that the country is that much further polarized. I say, guys, I'm a doctor. I know how to heal. I've done it for my whole career. I know how to bring people together, focus on the values that unite us, and allow us to defend ourselves against the existential threat of China and other forces that are, that are much more at risk than the things that Fetterman's focused on. And again, he won't come out and campaign, so he right. won't actually share what his ideas are. So it's frustrating for you. Once he's already expressed. So, so one thing is pretty clear. The Survey Monkey had that poll. I'm not sure that that is the next uh, coming of Gallup. Another poll has uh, within, uh, uh, within 11 points, uh, 47, 36. A lot of people 
uh, for example, don't see J.D. Vance. They don't see Tim Ryan. They, I don't really see uh, Fetterman because he's not campaigning and don't see much of you. That's because that's the nature of the Senate campaign, isn't it? You want to win over the people of Pennsylvania. You don't necessarily want to win the ratings race for the country. So you're, how many events are you doing a day? I did, I, did, I did 130 events in July. Wow. I'll do five, six events a day and continuously all the time. All of us. I, I was with J.D. Vance and Bud and Herschel for an event on Wednesday, you know, we are traveling continuously to get our word out. And I do do a lot of interviews. I mean, dozens and dozens of interviews, but I do them with local media in Pennsylvania because that's where the voters are. You know, I come on and visit with you because I'm a you know, fan of this program and, and I do Fox News periodically. And, uh, but it's, it's not the main focus. The main focus for me is to get the moderates, conservative Democrats, the people that I will bring over and vote for me. That's the fundamental reason I won the primary. Republican voters said, you know, you know, Oz is a is a kind of candidate that can get across the aisle and bring people together because we are in a right. time in America where we need folks to actually fight with powerful rhetoric, bold voices, say the things we all have to hear, but unite us at the same time. So That's right what now, I do. right. So right now, no, he has not accepted any of the debates. You've accepted all the debates. He is now campaigning for the first time, coming out again. So you wonder how healthy he is. Everybody wishes him the best, but you got to you got to elect somebody healthy. Look what's happening at the White House now. You mentioned about socialism, and Fetterman's track record leads there. He evidently lived in his home until he was forty years old. Uh, was uh, bought a house from his uh, sister for a dollar. So he's not exactly a barn burner as a capitalist. And some people worry that this whole country has gone more socialist of only six or ten of us are back to work. Our work uh, force participation rate is almost at an all-time low. John Mackey was on the Reason podcast. He's the Whole Foods founder and CEO. This is what he says he's worried about. Cut 22. My concern is that I feel like socialists are taking over. They're marching through the institutions. They're taking everything over. And uh, taking over education. It looks like they've taken over a lot of the corporations, it looks like they've taken over um, the military, and, and it's just continuing. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm deeply concerned about, um, you know, I'm a capitalist at heart, and I'm a li- I believe in liberty and capitalism. Those are my... Are you, is, is, is he singing your song? Is this what you're seeing? If I could put a little different uh, take on it, I think... What America needs to remember is the last words of the national anthem, home of the brave. You can't be free if you're not brave. In all the institutions that Mr. Mackey mentioned, we have brave people, but they have to say what they see. They know it's not right what's happening in higher education. They know the military is missing its mark. We, I've talked to teachers in schools saying they don't want to teach gender issues to, to, to you know, five-year-olds and six-year-olds. But it's hard, difficult to say what you see when you know you're going to get attacked mercilessly. You might actually get ostracized and lose your job. I get it. I didn't want to get into politics. I left a great show. The hardest thing I did every day was hair and makeup. It was a, you know, I used to come visit with you guys all the time. It, what I'm doing is difficult, but it's what must be done by patriotic Americans. I ask everyone right now, please go to DrOz.com, provide support. But in your own day in life, say what you see. If we do that, you'll realize that people aren't as woke as you think they are. There are a few people who can say whatever they want because no one's going to course correct them. But if we start putting our hands up, all of us at once, not one at a time, because if you only, if you only put your hand up, you'll get shot. But if you all put our hands up at once, say, no, that's not right. I don't want that happen to my kids. You know, I don't want my institutions taken over, right. tra- virtual signaling. Gotcha. That's damaging to our country. And just so you know, uh, for people listening to Dr. Oz, we have five stations in Pennsylvania. So this, you're actually doing local and national at the same time. 
Dr. Oz. So feel good about uh, your campaign. Uh, Dr. Oz, here we are in the, in the middle of August. Uh, his campaign is going full steam ahead. Uh, Dr. Oz, I look forward to talking to you on One Nation this weekend. I look forward to it. It's going to be a blast. Take All care. Right. Uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, uh, working his way up. Uh, as Fetterman finally comes out of the basement, uh, I guess he feels well enough to do so. When we come back, I'll take your calls, one 408 7669 I'll tell you what the President of the United States, using his Truth Social website, has just said about the investigation and the raid on his compound. Don't move. Newsmakers and newsbreakers, here at first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Copies of both the warrant and the FBI property receipt were provided on the day of the search to the former president's counsel, who was on site during the search. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. The property receipt is a document that federal law requires law enforcement agents to leave with the property owner. That was uh, Merrick Allen yesterday doing his best to spin his way out of what I think is over his skis. We do not know all the answers, but they went into Mar-a-Lago on Monday, and there's not been one moment of peace since. Nobody's really talking about anything else. Even if you love or hate Trump, it doesn't matter. A lot of intrigue about it. We're going to find out what warrant they had to get him in and had to get in. But get this. If their warrant is for Monday, okay, go in right away. It's an emergency. But you met with him in June 6th. You get this tip June 22nd, you get the warrant days before, and you wait and go in on a Monday? How? What kind of emergency is that? Travis, listening in Pensacola. Hey, Travis. Hey, Brian. Um, thank you for taking my call. Hey, I just got a comment and then a quick question for you. Um, I believe Trump. You know, he came out and made a statement that he didn't do anything wrong. And I think after the last four or five years, um, He's been investigated so much. Um, I'm going to – I trust what he says. I don't think he did anything wrong. Number two, I had a question for you. Really, the chilling effect of everything is the FBI has no credibility um, at all that's left over. How can we replace the high echelon of the FBI? What's it going to take? Who hires and fires? Well, what uh, do we have to do as Republicans? Well, put it this way. I would say this. McCabe's not there anymore. Strzok is not there anymore. Page is not there anymore. Baker's not there anymore. Comey's not there anymore. If you get in there and you get the whistleblowers to come through and say, let me do my job, these guys are corrupt, I think that would put us on our way because we need the FBI to be effective. 35,000 men and women, they do extraordinary things, just not the ones we've seen. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
First of all, the counterattack that's taken place in Kherson Oblast, which is just north of Crimea, that has begun on a very modest scale. A lot of preparation taking place in doing that. And this, this will turn out to be, I think, a turning point in the war. Can the Ukrainians take back territory that the Russians have seized? And will the international community continue to support them as a result of that? If they fail to take the territory back, the Ukrainians are very concerned that the international community will begin to walk away. I mean, not precipitously, immediately, but over time. That is their fundamental concern. Yeah, they're worried about the nuclear power plant. They're worried about taking back territory. And Kyrgyzstan means a lot. They're trying to keep everything down and the progress they're making low. Uh, they're also trying to infiltrate in areas that Russia stole, like Crimea. And the New York Times reporting that the Ukrainians are taking responsibility for it, blowing up nine planes inside Crimea, one of these sabotage operations that would their goal is to make every bit of land that you could that Russia has taken and tried to annex and make them up uh, make them fear for their lives on a daily basis if they can't take it back make it be impossible to settle Admiral James Stravitas knows all about it 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO author of Risk It All Nine Conflicts and the Crucible Crucible of Decision uh, Admiral welcome back what could you tell me about this war in particular because I think something's changed since we spoke two weeks ago, and I'm not seeing much land, uh, much land grab, many uh, many miles of land grabbed by the Russians. Now the Russian offense, as uh, you and I and Jackine talked about a couple weeks ago, is really grinding slowly, if at all. And what's happening, of course, is massive losses. Uh, U.S. intelligence now estimating 70,000 Russians either killed or wounded off the battlefield. That's roughly half the combat strength Putin started with. 25% of all the equipment uh, he went in with destroyed, probably a bit more. And as you just point out, this kind of stunning uh, behind enemy lines, the dirty dozen kind of raid against the uh, the airfield in Crimea, taking out a substantial chunk of, uh, of warplanes. So things are kind of moving in the Ukrainians' direction. I'm with General Jack. Um, we need to watch what happens around this town of Kyrgyzstan. It's the gateway to Crimea. It controls the water supplies into Crimea. If the Ukrainians can pull that one off, taking that territory back, I think uh, they will have a great deal of momentum headed into the fall campaign. How close is this Iranian deal? The Iranians in European Union mm-hmm. are, are seem to be hammering this out. The Russians mm-hmm. are dealing directly as well. What could you tell us about it, uh, and how concerned should we be? Well, I, I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East and uh, have often bought carpet there, bought rugs, um, many of which are made in Iran, Persian carpets. And whenever you're in a transaction about buying a rug in the Middle East to include in Iran, um, it's going to be very hard to ultimately close the deal. And what you're seeing is the Iranians say, hmm, that looks good, that looks good, we're very close. Whoops, wait a minute, we got one more thing we want to nail down here. Now, where are we this morning? Uh, the Europeans appear to be crafting some kind of agreement that would take one of the big hard stops for Iran off the table. That's the inspection of their nuclear program. And if they do that, if, they, if the Europeans are successful with the Iranians, then I think you have 
probably a two in three chance of this deal coming through, which is way up from where I thought it would be uh, six months ago. So we caught them cheating. They want to stop the investigation into the cheating. And now we won't agree not to even look into that site. <laughs> what if what a joke? I mean, how is this in the best interest of our country? I know it's rhetorical. And that provision where the Russians hold the weaponized uranium and they give it back if we if we tear up the deal like Trump did. So if the Republican walks in, Marco Rubio becomes president. He goes, yeah, I hate this deal. I'm ripping it up. So the Russians come in with the uranium and give it back to the uh, Iranians. Uh, yeah, that would I, be unbelievable. I agree, with, I agree with everything you've said. This deal has more holes in it than than a Swiss cheese. And it uh, particularly is distasteful in a period of time when Putin – uh, becomes the guarantor, if you will, while he's invading Ukraine, and by the way, is being hosted repeatedly in Tehran by his new best friends, the Iranians. Uh, doesn't look like a like a good landing to me. So uh, the, the we did some. Everybody's watching Taiwan and the speaker's visit, mm-hmm. and how Taiwan was really uh, surrounded in a series of uh, war war games or or military exercises that gave us an idea of how the Chinese might invade Ukraine, you might invade Taiwan. What is your takeaway from that? And what could you tell us about these D.C. war games that have the U.S. and China fighting over Taiwan? Yeah, three big takeaways from the uh, Chinese reaction to the uh, Pelosi visit. Number one, uh, they've given us a pretty clear look at their war plan. And this is what U.S. intelligence has postulated all along. It'll be a blockade, long-range ballistic missiles. Uh, the only thing we didn't see them exercise was the energization of a fifth column that undoubtedly is built into Taiwanese society, special forces, targeted assassinations, explosions all over the island. Uh, so we got a good look at the war plan. Number two, um, we see that U.S. Um, is going to have a very challenging time uh, pushing this back, and we'll come to that in one second with the war games. And number three, little noticed, but the Taiwanese response, their military exercises, which have gone on over the last couple of days, kind of in response, show a, a very capable, very motivated force. Uh, bottom line, we need to do more to ensure the Taiwanese are ready to fight in a way that the Ukrainians were not, and we had to flow weapons in very late in the game. Let's do that earlier. As to the war games, uh, simply, Brian, they show how tough a fight this will be. I think many Americans think the U.S. Navy would just roll over the Chinese Navy. That's not how this is going to come out. There'll be huge losses on both sides. Uh, The outcome, I I would still, as an admiral, I'd still rather have the American hand of cards to play in this than the Chinese one, but it's going to be hard fought with a lot of casualties. 18 of the 22 rounds of the game played at this point. Chinese missiles sink a large part of the U.S. and Japanese surface fleet and destroy hundreds of aircraft on the ground. However, Allied air and naval counterattacks hammer the exposed Chinese amphibious and surface fleet. The reason for the U.S. losses is that the United States cannot conduct a systematic campaign to take down Chinese defenses before moving in close. Uh, The United States must send forces to attack the Chinese fleet. To get a sense of the scale of the losses in our last game uh, iteration, the United States lost over 900 fighter attack aircraft in a four-week conflict. That's about half the Navy and Air Force inventory. But they do believe that Taiwan could repel an invasion, correct? 
Correct. And if you think about it, um, Taiwan is a, a tough nut to crack. It's an island that has an 80-mile moat right in front of it. Um, and, and, of course, the vast Pacific Ocean on the other side. And the island, if you've never been there, I have, is very mountainous. Um, it, it's covered with forests. Um, the Taiwanese have plans how to fall back if they need to. Even if the Chinese could get a toehold, it would be a very tough fight on the island itself. Um, bottom line, Brian, one thing to worry about that we haven't mentioned and was explicitly excluded from the war game was what if the Japanese don't let us use the bases? That would be very significant. And a second thing is there was no use of tactical nuclear weapons, something that I explored, as you know, in my novel, 2034, a novel of the next world war, a book about a war between the U.S. and China. So even with the massive losses we're talking about, there are other twists of the wheel of fate that could uh, undermine this campaign. It'll be very challenging. Admiral, one thing that drives me nuts is that we've been talking about what the Taiwan needs to defend itself. I have not heard any consummation of any of these requests for defensive weapons that would repel China. I mean, we hear that they we know exactly what they want. We know exactly what we can give them, but we're not doing it. What is the holdup? Uh, I think at this point, um, the light is going on across the political aisle that we have to do this. It's been in a kind of back and forth stage. But I think, Brian, uh, this is something that there's agreement from Pelosi on one side to Mitch McConnell on the other side. And frankly, the war in Ukraine ought to tell us if we put the weapon systems in there, we can deter China and avoid a war. So I think you're going to see motion on this pretty significant in the fall. And uh, in that sense, um, we can uh, hopefully get ahead of the curve in a way that we weren't in Ukraine. All right. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Any word how, if the Russians are paying an economic price as significant as they need to to revisit the wisdom of this war? Slowly but steadily, these sanctions are biting. But let's face it, it's going to take time for those economics to come into play. The thing to watch, the thing that will push Putin to the negotiating table is actually not the sanctions. That will be helpful. But the thing that will push him will be the combat losses he's suffering. The Ukrainians are making the Russians pay for every inch of territory. Crimea could end up soaked in Russian blood. Um, that is what is going to get Putin to the table, and that's what we need to put in the hands of the Ukrainians, the tools to accomplish that. I, I hear the numbers 85,000 wounded or killed. Is that correct? correct. Um, absolutely. And, and, and let's make a point. That's from U.S. intelligence, which historically is very conservative in how they make those kind of assessments. British intelligence puts those numbers even higher. Um, this is a massive loss of personnel. And, and final thought, Brian, uh, Putin has thrown open the jail cells in Russia, saying to felons, murderers, um, thieves, hey, I will commute your sentence from 15 years or 20 years down to six months and give you time served if you will go and fight in Ukraine. Think about that for a minute. How desperate is that? Uh, he, will, he will not have a draft. Very. He thinks it'll uh, boomerang on him. Uh, Admiral yep. James Javidis, thanks so much. 
You bet, Bri. Have a great weekend. All right. Bye-bye. That's a lot of knowledge. I just don't know who, very few people in the country you can talk to to give you a more solid update on a chance of winning a war against China and what's actually happening in Ukraine and how bad this Iranian deal is. So with that, we laid the groundwork, and we're also following this story. The President of the United States made it clear through his website, Truth Socials, it looks like Twitter, that he has no problem releasing the warrant, no problem releasing the affidavit that was handed to him as the FBI decides to raid to raid Mar-a-Lago on Monday. What they took, what they were looking for, and why the Trump camp is convinced that the attorney general is way over his skis. There is a report that he had nuclear plans uh, and details on nuclear weapons in his possession. I have not seen that confirmed. Where was that in June? If you knew about June 22nd, why did you wait till August? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Is it your understanding that there were not documents related to our nuclear capabilities or nuclear issues that had national security implications in the president's possession when the agents showed up at Mar-a-Lago? That's correct. I I don't believe they were. And if they thought they were... Well, do you know for a fact? Do you know for a fact they were? Have you spoken to the president about it? I have not specifically spoken to the president about what nuclear uh, uh, materials may or may not have been in there. I do not believe there were any in there. The legal team had done a very thorough search and had turned over. We'd been very cooperative. So that was one of the attorneys for Donald Trump, who happened to be on the scene when Mar-a-Lago was raided. And Laura Ingram did a great job last night trying to ride the news. I was hosting Tucker when the news came across, checked the Washington Post. I looked to my right. Washington Post has his story. One of the reasons the FBI rushed in is because there was nuclear secrets that evidently they believe, according to a whistleblower among the Secret Service, they were in Donald Trump's possession. He doesn't think so. And if it was true, if you got the uh, if you knew about it June 22nd, why are you going in August 7th on Monday? Why did after you got the warrant, why did you wait three days to go in if it's that much of an emergency? But look, you know, if I watch those boxes going out to the helicopter of paperwork that's going on Marine One to Donald Trump's house. If anyone had a problem, set up a system to go through it. I'm telling you right now, what would Donald Trump want with our nuclear codes? You really think he's going to sell them? He needs money? Ben in Michigan. Hey, Ben. Yeah. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. You were talking about you want to build on what Stavridis said. Stavridis said. Go ahead. Yes, I do. Listen, I'm retired Navy. Um, and I just want to say I agree wholeheartedly when he mentions about what would happen if they became Navy than the Chinese Navy. Yes, we may prevail, but we would definitely get our nose bloodied. Uh, the first thing that would go, I'm telling you right now, would be the carriers. That's their number one uh uh, order of battle is where are the carriers, the same as the Russians was back during the Cold War. And Ben, when they, question, got, they had this new drone, uh, this drone attack uh, that it just goes after, just created to go after aircraft carriers, too. I mean, yes, of course, exactly. we, we, you guys would have defense to that, but this is something new. It is. And my question is this. 
what are we doing? What kind of overtures are we throwing to India? I brought you brought this up to you about three months ago. India did. Everybody knows there's no love lost between yep. India and China. India hates China. I understand it to buying the Russian oil, but India and Chinese hate each other's guts. What kind of overtures are we throwing to India so we can kind of like create a diversion to get India involved with this? India has a huge military, and I guarantee you get them involved on our side. Hey, Ben, I, I, I like to- what you're saying. I want to add this. Japan is beginning to pivot off that uh, the world post-World War II military doctrine. I think they got to bulk up again, and I think that's got to that's happen right away. Uh, and I, they can fight, and they, they would know how to put that into their system. You get India learning how to fight. I don't think they have any discernible Navy. But then you get Japan, and you know Australia can fight, even though they have the biggest uh, enforcement. And then all of a sudden, maybe China's the one penned in. Jerry, WNDB in Daytona. Hey, Jerry. Yes, good morning, Brian. Just switching uh, topics a little on the 87,000 IRS agents when it came out that they need to be able to carry concealed weapon. Uh, my concern is uh, that since probably 90% are Democrats, it'd be interesting how the uh, red flag laws, uh, how many of them sail through under the uh, red flag and don't have any uh, you know, uh, concerning posts or social media accounts. Look, uh, nobody wants 87,000 IRS agents. How Joe Manchin and everybody else signed off on this is insane. What they're doing with most of the billions, they're not even upgrading their software. They're still using Cobalt from the 60s. They evidently get 1,200 inquiries a second into the IRS. And a small portion of all this money that we don't have is going towards the IRS. They're going to have so many agents out there. I know a lot of you say, oh, I don't cheat on my taxes. What's the big deal? With this complex tax system, you could be doing the most sincere job possible with the most sincere accountant possible. If they want to get you, they will get you on something. And in the meantime, the torture, the penalty is the process to relive, reclaim, rediscover everything from four or five, even two years ago, especially with the pandemic. That's what signing up, that's what we're signing up for today. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. We have a lot to to cover at 48th and 6th, and we know this morning I'm covering the the drop-off of the Texas buses of illegal immigrants. That became a national story. The mayor here in New York City against the governor of of Texas, now the mayor of D.C., against the governor of Texas, who both mayors are going, President Biden, give me money for a few thousand illegal aliens. How about the four million that have already come into our country? Believe it or not, in things that matter most to Americans, that's like fourth. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Geraldo in about a matter of moments. But before we do that, bottom of the hour, uh, Carly Shimkus will be joining us riding the breaking news. At any moment, the president of the United States could be releasing some of the uh, – the judge could release the uh, warrant – that allowed his Mar-a-Lago compound to be raided. The president, the former president, is not standing in the way. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. To place someone on a bus for 45 hours without medical care, without food, water, proper sanitary conditions, and just send them to a city that they know nothing about, uh, that is traumatic for anyone. What a shame. It's really traumatic. Really coming, going from Bolivia or Venezuela to our southern border is so traumatic. Then getting on an air-conditioned bus and going across the best country in the world is traumatic. What is wrong with this guy? Broken border, brawling lawmakers, unless President Biden and his party pay a price in November, this will not stop. Number two. It's been a very good week for President Biden and the Democrats, but it's also been a good week for American families. I mean, we are uh, on the cusp of passing the Inflation Reduction Act and having it come to the president's desk. There you go. Uh, Kate Benningfield uh, weighing in. She's the pres- president's spokesperson about to pass. That's what's happening with the House and the Mansion Schumer spending monstrosity named inflation reduction bill, but doesn't do anything with with inflation. Now the president will begin a victory tour. Is that a good move? Number one. The Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. I don't know why it took us uh, an extra 45 minutes to get that seven-minute press conference, but that was Merrick Garland who took no question. Go ahead and do it. That's the message from the Trump camp when it comes to the warrant and the affidavit and the list of everything taken from Mar-a-Lago. As rumors fly and the reasons the FBI reared the compound to begin with, clearly Merrick Garland's game and the DOJ is on their heels and Trump team knows it, and I'll explain. Geraldo Rivera joins us now. So I was talking to someone higher up on the Trump team. Geraldo, you know how you could sense sometimes when they're angry or worried? They are sure. They are not worried at all. I mean, from talking to Eric on Monday and very high-ranking Trump officials yesterday, they think that they are thoroughly over their skis, and they got caught, and he can't wait for this affidavit to come out. Well, I don't know why then, Brian. He doesn't release it himself. He certainly is legally able to. He has been right from the get-go. And I, I, I think that it's a question of uh, put up or shut up. But why? Uh, it's, why, not his, why it's not up to him. They raided him. Why should he put up? Because he has the documents and he's legally and constitutionally uh, legal, uh, approved to distribute them as he sees fit or to keep them private as he sees fit. So why wait for the government? I think that, see, the way I saw it uh, differently, Brian, I I thought that the president, having been so offended as he should be by this extraordinary, unprecedented raid, the first time ever a former president's resident has been raided. It was was like, uh, as I joked yesterday, uh, the librarian sending a SWAT team to retrieve an overdue library book. It was absurd on its face what happened unless and until there is a showing uh, that uh, there – what if there really were nuclear secrets being kept in, an, in, a, in a place that was far less secure than was appropriate? If that's the case, then you understand why after they have defied a subpoena for months earlier, the, the, uh, the federal authorities might feel it incumbent to do something as dramatic and, and uh, again, as unprecedented as this is. All right, so let's play that out. Let's say it's, let's say the Washington Post story that I was hosting Tucker last night, it came across about 8.05. The Washington Post says, according to a source that they have, that the reason why they had to raid was because they found out through a source 
that he had nuclear secrets at his uh, Mar-a-Lago compound. So the way this, uh, I understand it, they got the uh, warrant days before. If it's such an emergency, why don't you go in right away? Number two, Jan, June 6th, they have this great meeting. Two sources say he came by June 6th during the meeting, and they said, guys, just want to say I appreciate everything you did. That's the president going by Mar-a-Lago meeting with officials, at which time we even have a name. At which time this guy's name is, um, ooh, it's right here. Um, well, I'll find it. Uh, this guy's name comes out. He goes, do me a favor. Can I get another lock on that door? Because as we go through the documents, what you want, and I understand this. The more you look into it, the more you research it, you find out Barack Obama took 33 million documents. At which time he says, I'm going to hold on to it because I'm going to digitize it. I don't know if you heard, but he's not president anymore. Hasn't been for six years. Hasn't digitized one thing. So June 8th, Jay Bratt made a written request to counter. He's a counterintelligence uh, officer. He said, do me a favor. Put another lock on that door. You know what the Trump team did? Put another lock on the door. Days later, they get a tip saying there's more documents, June 22nd. That was the latest development. And that was the last time they communicated to the Trump team until the raid on Monday the 7th. And then it leaks, somebody, leaks to the Washington Post. Wait a second, it's nuclear secrets. Okay, Newsweek had a story hours before uh, Merrick Garland took to the microphone that Merrick Garland wasn't even informed about it. So I'm not sure... These so-called, you know, insider sources, I'm not sure they're all panning out. Now, you know President Trump. What would he want with nuclear secrets? I don't think that he has any nefarious motive whatsoever. I I believe that he is an honorable person, uh, and I also believe that there is a kind of inertia. Uh, the ah, screw these guys. I hate this Biden administration. This Justice Department is rigged. They did Russia, Russia. They harassed me for years. I'm not going to cooperate with them. Screw them. I have uh, taken the steps that I deem necessary to secure these secrets. I'm not going to comply. Uh, you know, I could see him doing that. I could see him, you know, digging in his heels and being stubborn, not from any any ridiculous national security. Uh, he wasn't going to sell them to yeah. Vladimir Putin. Uh, but the, and then I, I, on the other hand, I see Merrick Garland's team. They say uh, we subpoenaed this guy. Uh, he says he has these documents and he has the ability to control them. We say they belong to the United States of America. We want them back. Uh, I could see an impasse leading to this extraordinary uh, event that, uh, that shocks so many of us. But I, I go back to where I started, Brian. The way the president can continue to play out this hand in a winning manner is to say, okay, America, here's what it was. Here's what it was. I, you know, I'm not a spy. You know me. You know how these people harass me with uh, uh, Russian hookers peeing on me and the Ritz-Carlton, Moscow, and all these other dirty lies that uh, obsessed my uh, administration, wrecked my pres- the early years of my presidency, uh, distracted me, and made me an uh, angry and introverted person. Uh, you, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to play ball with these. These are my enemies. Uh, but you know, you, the, the enemies, his enemies have the law on their side. His enemies, if this warrant says what we think it says, will be ultimately justified and he will be ultimately embarrassed, or at least he will uh, feel the tinge, the singe, I should say, of of an adverse court ruling. He will have to, you know, those documents were retrieved. 
they won't get them back. And, uh, you know, right. where he goes from there, where this whole thing goes from there, I don't know. I had no idea these all these presidents hold on to these records. But so Trump I think to they a, do. To, yeah. I think they do. Uh, I don't know why they do. They, take, they, 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 they take a cup and they saucer and a, and a fan yeah. mail from Macron and, and Putin's uh, love letter and uh, Kim Jong-un and all these other, you know, the well, that I get. stuff. That I get, you know, if you want to set up a library, I don't even know that President Trump wants to set up a library, but he, it's good news for Truth Social because now everyone's reading it. He wrote this out. That's his version of Twitter. Nuclear weapons right. issue is a hoax, just like Russia it was a hoax. The Mueller investigation, a hoax. The much more the same. Same sleazy people involved. Why wouldn't the FBI allow the inspectors of areas of Mar-a-Lago with our lawyers or others present? Made them wait outside in the heat. Wouldn't let them get even close. Said absolutely not. Planting information, anyone? Reminds me of uh, uh, the whole dossier situation. Um, he tweeted this out. My poll numbers are the strongest they have ever been. Fundraising by the Republican Party is breaking records. The midterm elections are fast approaching. The unprecedented political weaponization of law enforcement is inappropriate and highly unethical. And also this source told me they screwed this up like they did Afghanistan. These people only think about politics. They should run the country. Enough politics run the country. And that's how he really feels. Now, you know he had a clean sweep on those primaries, and a lot of them were very tight. You know that he's got 93% of the people he endorsed have gotten through. Everybody except one that voted for impeachment has lost, and Liz Cheney's about to get trounced. So do you believe that he's going to run again? I do. I do believe it. I've always believed it. I think that uh, he feels that he got gypped. I think he legitimately feels gypped, although I, I also believe that he has uh, intentionally aggravated and exaggerated the uh, irregularities having to do with November 2020. That's why I broke up with him in mid-November 2020, uh, because he didn't let the constitutional process play out. Uh, but the, the, nevertheless, I feel that he sincerely believes he got rooked and uh, it wants to, and believes that he uh, is the natural-born president of the United States. Uh, my fear would be that uh, he gets elected and does four years uh, from 2024 and then says he doesn't want to leave again. Uh, you know, he says that there are, you know, uh, uh, some some other screw up. But, you know, he can't – having once, uh, you know, kicked the Constitution in the nuts, uh, you know, to, to then go back again, he, he should have just, as I urged him to do, I urged him, just take a victory lap. You had a great presidency, yeah, I know. hugely underrated. You accomplished so much. Why screw around with this? You lost, you lost. You'll win next time. You'll win bigger next time. Uh, but, but now, uh, you know, it, 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 he does things that sometimes uh, stick, in, stick in my craw. The, you know, the, obviously the election denial is the most profound. Hey. But this thing, like, why not release these documents? Going well, back to this, Brian. See, but but Geraldo is coming out today. Them, but it's thing. like, but I could see it, especially it profiles the way he is. Uh, go, wait, you raid my place, and I know it's for nothing. He believes it's absolutely for no reason. I told you we were in conversations. We're having fine arrangements. You were dealing with my attorneys. We gave 15 boxes back to you already. So you raid my place. You destroyed my, you destroyed my wife's closet. You, well, you opened up my safe, and now I'm going to get you off the hook by releasing the warrant? No, let you twist in the wind. That's his mindset. I want to get Let's another— say, say for a say for one second, Brian, that there's a paper in there that says, here's how to build the, the bombs, the, the nuclear bombs that we used on the drones 
that we could say, and, then, and you do, it's E equals MC right. squared, uh, yeah, and yeah. there's a, a picture of it. You say, holy crap, this was in the closet in Mar-a-Lago? You know, it, it could be. It could be. Now, if it's not that, if it's not that, if it is, uh, you know, his autographed photos of uh, Vladimir, uh, you know, Suntani in Crimea, so, uh, then uh, Merrick Garland should be uh, right. embarrassed. What, was, uh, but um, I also think this thing in Ohio, here in Ohio, uh, where the uh, the guy uh, shot up the FBI yep. office and then got killed in the cornfield. I mean, if we're going to have a, a a world, a country where people are taking AR-15s and shooting FBI Terrible. agents now, Terrible. I think we have to stand together. And right. the president has to denounce that in no uncertain. That terms. would be great if he did, uh, and I hope he does. And and you know what? I that's why you shouldn't play politics with the intelligence agencies if that indeed is the case. True, but but. True. Um, yeah, that's a great point. So, Harada, last thing. I was going to change topics, but I'll stick with it. Uh, Hillary Clinton's private emails contained special access, uh, special access programs, intel, and the FBI found the intel stored and transmitted on her server was compromised by foreign governments or intelligence services. And you know she was not raided. You know she still ran. You know that she went ahead, and it's been proven got ahead with the Steele dossier, got Christopher Steele and all this stuff to sully and stain President Trump. She was never taught a lesson. She was never, uh, and she is, uh, and she is found red-handed as the day is long, and you saw it on Anthony Weiner's laptop, how slipshot she was with private emails while Secretary of State. So anyone who says, well, Trump doesn't care and does this, what was she doing? So if there's a document in there that shouldn't be, Join the club. And I'm sure out of the 33 million Obama has, there's probably some really terrible like, hair-raising stuff in there, too. So I just think well, it's, I, you know. I think that was all raised so effectively she lost. Uh, she was banished from American public life. Hunter Biden, I agree with that comparison also. Yep. Why the hell hasn't his place been raided, uh, uh, you know, when he was dealing with Chinese And you could say uh, Trump, you could say Trump lost, too, but— This house wasn't raided and ransacked. There's only one guy whose house was raided and ransacked, and it was the the rich guy uh, who has a compound but and has a staff to fix it up. (laughs) I I wish him the best, and I wish he he, 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 he heeded the advice of someone who really cared for him and watched him grow from when he was in his 20s. I've known him for over 40 years right. and very, very distressed by what's happened right. uh, after the election. And I, I wanted to have a, a peaceful, successful life. Gotcha. Uh, and I, I wish that the feds and he could work this out. Brian. So do I. I want everybody to get along and sing together the same song. <laughs> Geraldo, Geraldo Rivera, thank you so much. Back in a right, moment. Brian, I love you. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Now I think Democrats are having some regret at going all in on this uh, IRS deal. Because we have proof, nonpartisan proof, that you are five times more likely to be audited the less wealthy you are. This goes on poor and middle class taxpayers. And Senator Mike Crapo of Idaho put forward an amendment when they were announcing this bill saying... Let's, can we put into this law that no one making under $400,000 a year will get audited? And every Democrat voted no. Why would they want to vote no? Well, because in order to pay for the Inflation Reduction Act, 
they had to find the money somewhere. Where's the money going to come from? It's going to come from you, and it's going to come from these audits, and that's why they had to do this. They'll be coming back for more pretty soon, but basically they're trying to audit the poor to buy the rich electric so vehicles. She, and that is the least, I guess, inflammatory commentator on any news channel, Dana Perino. Just the facts. That's what's happening with the bill that's going to pass today. I have not discussed that much, the Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't on any course, any nonpartisan examination, reduce inflation. And she's just saying, when the IRS, they're not just going after Jeff Bezos. He's done everything right they got all the billionaires and millionaires. Unless they're idiots, they have great accountants. They're going to be fine. You know who's not going to be fine? You're not going to be fine. Hey, go to BrianKillMe.com, especially if you're in Albany, especially if you're in Brandon, Mississippi, especially if you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm going to be live on stage, taking back our national story a thousand people at a time. BrianKillMe.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. We already know the shelter system can't accommodate New Yorkers, let alone people who are thousands of people who are coming to this town. Have you talked to President Biden and said, basically, we need to reevaluate this policy? Well, you know, we're going to do like I've stated for uh, the entire time in office. We have to pivot and shift in a face of the crises as they come towards us. We did it with COVID, monkey pox, and everything else that we have been facing. And when you look at the large number of migrants uh, and asylum seekers, uh, we have housed almost 5,000 thus far uh, since around May. And we're going to continue to do so. And yes, we spoke with the White House uh, to discuss this issue and state that we need uh, help to get us through this moment. Unbelievable. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams, the poor guy's got 5,000 extra illegal immigrants. They get 7,000 a day in Texas, and they're being ignored by the White House. He's got 5,000 over the course of six, seven months. It's a crisis, and they deal with it like monkeypox, the fake crisis, only only affecting a certain group of people. With me right now, Coley Shimkus. She's not the mayor of any city, but she could be if she chose. <laughs> Why don't you run for office, Carly? Um, because it, I, it's a lot of pressure. Too much pressure. No pressure Too in this Too many business. problems. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, can you believe, I mean, this is the, the battle. I'm, we're on WABC now, and this is a New York story that's a national story. Yes. And and Mayor Adams is is crying foul but it's, I mean, it, it doesn't pass the laugh <laughs> no, test. It's, I mean, this it's is hilarious, actually. Yeah. Um, so, no, I love what Governor Abbott's doing. And I think it's working out great for him. I think it's raising his popularity within the state. And if you think about it. It should. The, but I haven't seen polls that reflect that. Have you? Um, in my own personal poll. Because uh, I'm, a yeah. O'Rourke seems to be within single digits, which stuns me. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to. There's no way he's going to win in Texas. What do you think? Do you think he has a chance? Single digits? Really? Beto O'Rourke, the guy who wants to take your guns, that would be shocking. And the wall down. <laughs> and tear down the thing. wall. Yeah. He's flip-flopped on that one, too. He's also flip-flopped on guns. He's like, well, maybe if I'm running for governor in Texas, I shouldn't want to take people's guns away. Uh, but we know where he, where he really stands. When it comes to the uh, stuff that Abbott's doing, though, in, in, um, for, in New York and Washington, D.C., 
He's really following the law. The law is catch and release. So they're getting caught at the border, and then he's releasing the immigrants where they want to go. That's the most law-abiding thing to do if that is the law of the land. That's an interesting way to put it because one thing he's doing is unleashing the Texas Rangers, the National Guard, putting up a wall on his own, leading them back at the port of entry. I'm not sure where they go from there. But it is almost as if, what else do you want me to yeah. do? I guess Austin, that, encla- that liberal enclave. But, okay, you're a little liberal enclave, and you're a liberal person. How many homeless people does it take for you to realize these policies of welcoming the homeless aren't working? How many illegal immigrants have to destroy a ranch or the home or make you scared for your teenager to go out or your 8-year-old to go get the paper at night yeah. before you realize my liberal policies aren't really working out? I just don't think there's any other country in the world that would allow 4 million people to come I know. illegally. I mean, it's such a national security issue. And the fact that um, there are no Democrats other than Henry Cuellar that are talking about this is unbelievable. When you think about, what, 56 people that were on the terror watch list that were caught trying to get in, and then there are almost a million right. gotaways since the since President uh, Biden has been in office. It's scary. It really does feel like a ticking time bomb, doesn't it? Are you doing Outnumbered and The Big Show? What, are you, what else are you doing? Um, are we wrapping up already? No. Oh, okay, good. I want to make sure you get your promo in. Oh, thank you. I'm doing your show, so watch. Uh, One Nation, 8 o'clock. Exactly, and I'm also doing Greg Gutfeld tonight. Mm. He's not going to help oh. your career. Oh, well. I'm, I'm cautious. That really brought that. the mood down in the room. Yeah, I mean, why is she doing it? Allison, <laughs> no. why did you sign off on that? You have to make a choice, <laughs> me or him. Okay. So before I move on and talk about the, the breaking news that we've been all over, and yeah. you've been with Fox and Friends first and over the weekend, about the break-in in Mar-a-Lago. I want you to hear Laura Wilkerson on this illegal immigration system. Her son was killed by an illegal immigrant. Cut 27. Governor Abbott needs to keep doing it. Drop him in his neighborhood. Drop him at every wealthy neighborhood in the country. Drop him in their schools where their kids go and see what we feel like. Let something happen to one of their kids and see exactly what we feel like as parents who have lost our kids. He is laughable. What a crybaby. Send whoever he wants to to Texas. I don't think they'll like it. Uh, First of all, it's heartbreaking to hear a mom who's obviously gone through so much uh, trauma over the illegal immigration crisis. Um, And I was I was speaking to another woman who lives right on the southern border recently, and uh, she has two young daughters. And there are illegal immigrants that cross through her property near her house all night long. And, you know, you're talking about strangers that are in your backyard and, you know, you're a tax paying American citizen and no, the Biden administration is just turning such a blind eye to this. So she and her husband have already taught their young daughters how to use a gun. I mean, we're talking about te- young teenagers. Oh, I didn't here. tell you this. Uh, nobody knows this. Eric or Allison. So while I'm away, at 3 o'clock in the morning, my ring doorbell, my neighbor's ring doorbell, seven guys dropped off in my neighborhood. They start going for all the cars. And they and they were just trying to get stuff out of cars. So they got stuff out of my neighbor's car. Thankfully, my doors lock automatically. They weren't able to do it. But just to see these people in your driveway. And normally, I'm up at 2.30. I'm out the door at 2.50. And I would have been walking out right when they were there. Oh, no. Isn't that crazy? That's and, scary. And, and I would say upper class neighborhood. Yeah, I know where you uh, live. In Massapequa, it's very Not diverse. You have way. working class. Yeah. Uh, you have a uh, house by the water, extremely nice. No house. Well, probably worth more than two or $3 million. So I'm like in between there. And to think they're going to flood this area and go, but just so you idea where the, where the criminal element's going. So the president of the United States said, bring it on. This is good news for Truth Social, by the way, isn't it? 
He's sending out his messages like he used to do on Twitter. He is. He's yes. doing it on Truth Social. Yes, yes. He said, bring it on. Go show the warrant. Show everything. Washington Post has a story last night saying this is about uh, a nuclear. These are about nuclear plans. Uh, Merrick Garland came out earlier and said, I am calling for the release of the warrant. They're playing clean up, catch up. Here's Jonathan Turley last night, cut seven. The attorney general has to weigh that context. This country is a tinderbox, and he has an agency in the FBI that has a documented history of false statements, a documented history of misleading courts. And you have to consider that before you approve a raid of this kind. Yeah. So uh, everybody's getting a big lesson right now in warrants and affidavits and what they all mean. Apparently, the warrant and the list of um, items uh, that the FBI took is going to come out uh, maybe even later today. Although one of the guests on Fox and Friends was saying that uh, a lot of it's going to be heavily redacted. So a lot of the things that the FBI took, it'll be generic language. So we may not end up learning a lot later. Uh, The thing that I think is very interesting is Laura Trump was on Fox last night. It might have even been an interview, Brian, that you did if you talked to Laura. Yeah. Well, did you – she said on on, uh, Tucker, you were filling for Tucker, that um, Trump has received more donations now than ever before. I, I th- always, I think he was always going to run for president, but I just wonder if this is going to motivate him to announce even sooner, maybe even before the midterm elections, because if, when he feels like somebody is trying to stick it to him, he wants to stick it right back. And this could be a huge motivating factor for him to announce within, I don't even know, even within the coming weeks. It's just speculation on my part. But if you hear what he's saying and what the family is saying, it's he clearly is extremely angry about what happened and I think that will that this will motivate him possibly to announce even sooner. Uh, they that's what basically she went on to say the family's united about it because it was a story that Ivanka. Oh, and, that's right. Yes, yes. Uh, and Melania, there was a story mm-hmm. that Ivanka and Melania came out in a story and said they're trying to convince him not to run, and then she said this. Cut thirteen. I've heard from so many people, Brian, all across this country, people that aren't even Republicans. They are horrified by what we saw happen on Monday because this was not just an attack on Donald Trump. It wasn't just a raid of Mar-a-Lago, of a former president's home. This changed the way that the American people see our country. We cannot operate in a civilized society and not trust our Department of Justice. Unfortunately, That's where we are. Merrick Garland came out today and didn't clear any of that up. If anything, we have more questions now, uh, the American people by and large, than they did a couple hours ago before he even came out and spoke. Yeah, I mean, I I did speak to the the Trump family, uh, a lot of them yesterday, and I know when they're ticked. I know when they're nervous. They're not nervous. They can't believe what's going on. Yeah. But they were were angry Monday. Today they're like, they don't know what they unleashed. They don't understand. Now, sadly, it, it, you saw what happened with the FBI. The F, some lunatic Trump fan oh, goes into the no. FBI. You don't want that. No. But why is the FBI just doing this like they're doing it? You have a – on June 22nd, evidently, that's when you got your tip that Trump evidently, yeah. reportedly, is holding something back. And then in August, you don't talk to him until August 7th? I know. And well, those you don't are the decision makers that are, that are handling it poorly, like the FBI agents. Like everybody always says and it's true. I mean, they're just – doing their job and they're just, you know, following orders. Um, Newsweek also had a piece that um, the FBI, (laughs) do you believe this? The FBI planned the raid purposefully for when Donald Trump wasn't home because they wanted to keep it a low profile. And then they crack open a safe 
using a safe cracker. They rummage through Melania Trump's clothes. They do it in the so early in the morning that it's still nighttime. It's like 30 FBI agents roll up, and they don't think that that's going to cause a stir. Are you kidding me? Why do you need nine hours if you got this great tip? Why do you need nine hours? What do you hours? think is really going on here, Brian? Because there's so many, there are so many different theories. One of them is the Washington Post theory that it had to do with documents related to nuclear weapons. Other people feel like it really could just be National Archives and the FBI overstepped. And then there's this other theory. I mean, you have a Congresswoman, Congressman Perry who um, is a close ally of Donald Trump. His cell phone was confiscated by the FBI a day after this Trump raid, and um, he is wanted for questioning by the House Democrats uh, related to January 6th. So could those two things be related? We just don't know if, yet. If you, if you said to me, I need a theory and I need it now, and you, I'd say just put your money down, Yeah, I think it's all about January 6th. I don't, I don't think it's you about, think well, it's you nuclear. know, we're concerned about nuclear uh, – uh, nuclear secrets, really? President Trump, nuclear secrets? That's not why I ran. Uh, nuclear secrets, nuclear football. You know, could he have been a little bit tighter lipped uh, with the Russians, with the Saudis? Oh, absolutely. We already know that. We know that. Got it. Understood. But you're going to tell me all of a sudden we realize nuclear plans with Mar-a-Lago when you asked him to put another lock on the door? He's not even there. How is it in jeopardy? Are you worried about a outside force coming in, the Saudis? coming in or or the Russians or Iranians coming in and taking nuclear secrets out of Mar-a-Lago? I don't like know. A, a plot of a movie. That's not, that sounds like a plot of a movie. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, and also when it comes to the timeline of things, you said the raid was nine hours long. And um, now, you know, obviously when the FBI— Bad is, tip. If you need nine hours to go through Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> uh, it is a big place. But, um, you know, if the FBI is combing through documents to obtain criminal evidence and they just so happen to claim— other evidence for something else, i.e. January 6th, that's valid. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could it could absolutely be related to that. And before we go, I want you to hear Harmony Dillon was on with me last night, too. And she said in candor, she does work for President Trump on different areas, not in this area. Cut nine. In my opinion, as I've said publicly, the warrant itself is really not the where the meat is. Where the meat is, is the affidavits that underlie the warrant. That is what the FBI told the magistrate judge in order to get this warrant. And there may have been more than one affidavit. And so uh, it is unclear to me that the DOJ is offering to unseal those. They don't usually unseal those until there's an indictment. And I think if the warrant tells an incomplete story, it may not be to the advantage of the Trump team to unseal it at this time. The whole story needs to be told. And I think that the DOJ, as you said in your intro, Brian, is really stumbling. They're playing defense. They're trying to do this the opposite way that it should be. And uh, so the magistrate judge, Bruce Reinhardt, who's compromised, in my opinion, said this. The United States will immediately serve a copy of the motion on counsel to former, uh, for former President Trump on or before 3 p.m. Eastern today. Uh, the United States will file a certificate of conferring for conferral advising whether President Trump opposes the government's motion to unseal. So here's what President Trump said. Not only will I not oppose the release of the documents related to the un-American, unwarranted, and unnecessary raid and breaking of my home in Palm Beach, I'm going to take a step further by encouraging the immediate release of those documents, even though they have been drawn up by a radical left Democrats and possible future political opponents who have a strong and powerful vested interest in attacking me, much as they've done for the past six years. Yeah. 
Game on. And absolutely. And Merrick Arlen also said yesterday that it, it, it wasn't possible to use less intrusive means. So that means that what they were looking for was so urgent that they needed to go now. But then you hear Trump and Trump's lawyers, and he said, I was having a, a great working relationship with the FBI. They asked, uh, they, they uh, subpoenaed me. I gave the 15 boxes. They asked to put a padlock on the room. I did just that. So why not just use a subpoena again? Also, have you noticed that Andrew Cuomo was tweeting about this? Yes. And his tweets are good. Kind of. His, his tweets make sense. Here's one of them. He said DOJ's credibility is as a non-political entity is especially critical with the importance of January 6 investigation pending. Now the remaining question, what did they recover and was it worth the public cost? What did they recover and was it worth the public cost? That is a that's the main question here. Back in a moment. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Japan has replaced the female minister in charge of reversing the country's falling birth rate with a man who has never had children. Masanabu Ogura said he gained an understanding of the issues facing expectant mothers by wearing a simulated pregnancy belly for 24 hours. Telling reporters that wearing the 16-pound prosthetic left him with sympathy for women and back pain. If having a big belly helped men understand women, the patriarchy would be long gone. What are you talking about? Japan is trying everything to figure out why their people aren't having more babies. And look, I'm not a scientist, but if you ask me, maybe it's because they invented the PlayStation. <laughs> uh, maybe. So welcome back, everybody. Kali <laughs> Shimkus is here. Uh, so the problem in Japan, no one's no one's going there, no one's emigrating there, and they're not having kids. Really? Right. Um, I I'm hear not sure a, this is the way to attack I hear it. it's a very clean... <laughs> I know, right? That's kind of weird. I hear it's a very clean country. Yeah. It's like clean streets-wise. Organized. Yeah, organized, yeah. I mean, uh, that's selfless. The only thing, that's the only real factoid I know about Japan. Uh, the Bank of Japan official, Magasani Ogura, mm-hmm. who replaced the female minister, Siko Nada, uh, they need a young and fresh perspective. I, I do think that women know more about pregnancy than men. Why would a man wearing a fake pregnancy belly encourage women to give birth? That's the question. It makes you wonder if we need to know more. <laughs> more to know with Carly Shimkus. Right. And I should say Fox News Sunday with Shannon Bream. Yes. yes. She's got the job beginning September 11th, the first woman to anchor the program in the 26-year history. It was Tony Snow and Chris Wallace. Uh, so I think she's the perfect pick. Yes. She is so smart. She's got the legal background. She's indefatigable as a worker. The bad news for America is she can't host her show at, at midnight. I know. I know. So that spot's, I guess, going to open up. I don't know. I wasn't in the room when they made those decisions, but I'm so happy for her. She really is the total package. Uh, smart, beautiful. Uh, great at her job, and also her delivery is so kind. Right. Isn't it? But but sometimes you got to be tough. Next. Well, but she is. She can do that in a of kind course. way. Uh, conservative dating app uh, backed by Peter Thiel was announced. The launch is next month. It's called The Right Stuff. Um, it's seeking to open a new door for the political right who hope to find like-minded people in the romantic world. And fun fact, the person who started The Right Stuff is Kaylee McEnany's sister. That's amazing. Uh, and even if that's not true, it's even more amazing that it is true. If you made that up, I would say that's remarkably creative. <laughs> I would say this. Normally, I'd go, out. Oh, that's kind of a niche story. Uh-huh. Actually, I think it's necessary. I love it. If you're it. single, you know, like, the last thing you want to hear is, uh, um, by the way, 
I don't shower. I grow my armpit Are, hair you're out. You're talking about the political left, right? Yes. Yeah, I knew it. All right. Yeah, you I, can get that image. I follow the Grateful Dead and I smoke pot. Yeah. That would definitely ruin a relationship. Yeah, I don't, the smelly thing will never work for me. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Thanks Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, but we're heard around the country, around the world, especially in the Ukraine, as they fight to make their life, uh, Russians' life in Ukraine, a living hell. Uh, standing by, Phil Levine uh, will be with us, former mayor of Miami Beach. They're talking about his replacement, uh, Mayor Suarez, running for president on the Republican right, obviously, whether Donald Trump runs or not. He is a very impressive guy. He's been on our show many times before. He brought, helped bring the tech center uh, to Miami. But for now, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. To place someone on a bus for 45 hours without medical care, without food, water, proper sanitary conditions, and just send them to a city that they know nothing about, uh, that is traumatic for anyone. Yeah, traumatic, real traumatic. Broken border, brawling lawmakers leads to chaos and a flood of illegals into our cities. Unless Biden and the party pay a price in November, this will not be stopped. Number two. It's been a very good week for President Biden and the Democrats, but it's also been a good week for American families. I mean, we are uh, on the cusp of passing the Inflation Reduction Act and having it come to the president's desk. Yeah, there you go. Kate Benningfield talking about the president on a roll. Should he take a victory tour as he's about to pass this new Green Deal? Mansion, Schumer, spending. The more you look at it, Mansion got next to nothing. What was he thinking? Number one. The Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. Merrick Garland, always inspirational. Go ahead and do it. That's the message from the Trump camp when it comes to releasing the warrant and the affidavit and the list of things taken from his Mar-a-Lago compound. Clearly, Merrick Garland's game and the DOJ is on their heels, and the Trump team knows it. I'll explain. But first, Shannon Bream. And now, the Brian Kilmeade Show welcomes back to the airwaves the newly crowned host of Fox News Sunday. I am charm averse. Un- you're uncharmable? I am. Fox News' unflappable chief legal correspondent. We're not going to make it rain in the radio studio. I moves her Friday night dance party. On Friday night, uh, I dance. To Sunday morning. I can't dance. In my heart, I'm an excellent dancer. It doesn't translate into reality. Congratulations, Shannon. Dance like no one's watching. Even though millions will be. I go out and dance and I'll just wear a tight outfit. (laughs) Now that I have chest hair, it really works for me. (laughs) That is so cool. Uh, Yes, she's the brand new host of Fox News Sunday and the first female to ever try it. Uh, She's done an extraordinary job over the last year filling in as Chris Wallace went elsewhere. Shannon, how do you feel about getting this job? Congratulations. So deserving. First of all, thank you. I love you guys so much. The dance intro is to die for. Um, How great a job was that? Eric, uh, Eric and Frank put that together. Am I right? You guys are awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, listen, the dance party's just like you said, it's moving to Sunday. So, um, we have an amazing team and I just love that, you know, it's going to launch into a new adventure. And so I'm going to have to learn to get up early, Brian. So you're going to have to give me tips on that. Well, just when, just on weekend, right? 
Yeah, but I mean, you know, right now I go to bed at like three and get up at like ten. Oh, that's true. So I got to flip that. I'm gonna have to go to bed at like ten and get up at three. So, um, but I'm super excited. Yeah, I mean, it's so well deserved. I mean, uh, and it's a hard show to do to do well. Everyone can do it, but to do it well because you want to make news on that show. And yeah, no pressure. Yeah, Thanks and it's pressure. network, so that means people with antennas—they don't need cable subscriptions. People with just antennas on their TVs can get you. Yes, and you know what it's like to try to describe this to my mom, who is such a huge Fox News fan. She loves you. She watches everything that you do. But when I say to her, like, I'll still be doing that some, Mom, but you'll have to come over to the network thing, she's like, I don't understand where the Sunday program (laughs) is. (laughs) Like, Mom, the channel where you watch American Idol, turn that on on Sunday morning. You will, and she's like, well, I just know it comes on on Fox in the afternoon. So she's just going to be around for the 2 o'clock. She's at church anyway. I think she understands what my new job is, but I'm not sure. Well, but by this way, can I just, I don't want to tell you how to talk to your mom, but don't tell her to follow American Idol. That's ABC. I don't want to watch her this week with <laughs> Wait yourself. A minute. At Wait, a minute. Wait a minute. But at one point when it first started, Fox had American Idol. Right. But right now ABC has it. Oh, see, yeah. see how up to date I am on <laughs> things that aren't Washington. <laughs> so, I'm just a pop culture phenom. So give me an idea. So who's taking your show? I don't know yet. Um, Fox News at Night is sticking around, and we love being there to be that final, you know, breaking news place of the night um, and sometimes go through the night until you guys pick us up again for Fox and Friends first and then you guys at Fox uh, and Friends in the morning. So um, it's not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know who will be at the helm. I think there's going to be rotation of folks until they make a decision. Um, But the same amazing team that does the show now will be behind it and still creating excellent work moving forward. Great. Uh, so, so Shannon, you'll take that over September 11th, right? Correct. Gotcha. Uh, first things first, what can we expect with your legal background? A warrant to say, I heard lower your expectations. It's not too explicit. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. It, what, what the DOJ has asked for, the attorney general has said, go ahead and unleash it, un, unseal it. It is just that warrant, the same one they left with the president's attorneys that will say, we're here to look for these items in these locations, and these are the relevant statutes. Um, they left an itemization list. That's what they're supposed to do to say, like, oh, we took, you know, two laptops and three boxes of this stuff, whatever. So it's not going to give you the guts of this stuff, which is those underlying affidavits that the FBI had to take to this magistrate judge and say, here are all of our sworn allegations about what's there, what we're looking for. We're not going to get to look at that. I mean, there are private requests into the judge to release those. The New York Times, Judicial Watch, another local paper, they've asked for everything. Um, That's not what's it, you know, that what we think potentially will get unsealed today. Um, But it's possible the magistrate could do that as well. Um, They've put in their petitions. He's asked the government to answer those petitions by Monday at 5 p.m. So they're really pushing for the good stuff. That's not what we'll get today. So what do you mean by answering their petitions? Uh, I mean, petitions in what respect? Well, they've gone and filed a motion to unseal everything. So they want not just the warrants and that itemization list, which we'll probably get today or potentially get today, but they want all those underlying documents that would have the specific allegations and the testimony by if somebody went to the FBI and said, I've seen these boxes or I've seen these documents. That's the kind of stuff uh, that those media organizations are trying to get. Wow. Uh, that so, would be something. 
Uh, and yeah, I, so they they filed know. those motions with with that judge, and so like I said, he told the government, "You got to reply to these motions by Monday." I'm assuming they will fight it because there could be a lot of important information in there if they're trying to put together a case. Um, there could be confidential, you know, people who came to them, and you know, you could still um, excise the classified material out of it. We may get, as we often do in Washington, and you know how fun it is to get um, the results of something, and every page is blacked out except for like one sentence. Who knows what we'll get, but they're at least fighting to get the rest of the stuff. So what do you think about the president's stance? First, he was quiet, said, I'm going to let this out there. And then finally he said, yeah, open it up, open up everything. And by the way, then he addressed the next story, which came out last uh, Thursday night around 8 o'clock Eastern time, that said, uh, and Washington Post had it, that the main thing that got the DOJ so concerned is nuclear secrets that might have been found in Mar-a-Lago due to a Secret Service whistleblower. And then the president went right at that and says, are you kidding me? The same people that brought me the Russian hoax, these same people are making up this story. There's nothing there. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, public confidence in these institutions, unfortunately, is very shaken right now because, you know, had people, the FISA warrants, we found out problems with those. There was an attorney who actually got in trouble for lying and doctoring documents um, for a lot of these underlying claims and warrants to go after the former president. So it's completely understandable why people are so skeptical about this. And even if, listen, they have gotten everything perfectly right this time and there is underlying foundation for what they did, all of that stuff. People are just going to be skeptical because they've been burned so much the last couple of years. And I don't think the DOJ or FBI should be surprised by that. I think it's to me, I I can't imagine they actually were that naive, like, oh, we thought we could do this low key and it wouldn't blow up like it has. Um, They haven't been paying attention the last couple of years. They really, really thought that. Right. And I'll tell you, I had a chance to talk to so many people in the Trump camp this week, like it was almost 2018 again or 2020. And there's times when they're upset stressed, angry. Yeah, angry was Monday. But they were almost kicked back, getting a kick out of the fact that the DOJ is, uh, this is the term that was used to me, over their skis. Let them figure it out. They started this. Now they're in a mess. Now let them figure it out. So I just think that's an interesting stance. And it's kind of the stance the average person would think you take if you don't have anything to hide. Here's uh, Jonathan Turley on what he thinks, uh, what he thinks uh, of the raid and the ramifications. Cut seven. The attorney general has to weigh that context. This country is a tinderbox, and he has an agency in the FBI that has a documented history of false statements, a documented history of misleading courts. And you have to consider that before you approve a raid of this kind. So he didn't. And there's no doubt about it, he didn't, unless they pull out uh, a, literally a ticking time bomb. And if they come out and say, well, there's some documents here that are highly sensitive. I don't know, like Hillary Clinton's documents were really highly sensitive that they did claim were compromised and in, uh, by, uh, by foreign intelligence sources in other countries. So they didn't raid her house. And it's hard to believe, Shannon, there's no highly sensitive decla- uh, classified documents in Barack Obama's soon-to-be library whenever he decides to open it up. They evidently, he has 33 million documents. I, don't, I didn't hear, I didn't Google just now, but over the last five minutes, I haven't seen that he was raided. Well, and that's the thing. People will feel like there is an incredible double standard when it comes to Donald Trump and when it comes to Democrats. You think back about former Secretary Hillary Clinton, 
Um, that's such a, a, a famous case that people easily call to mind. But remember when she went in for this interview with the FBI, they allowed her to take attorneys. Yes. They didn't record it. It was like over and done on a weekend. I mean, we all know Donald Trump would not be treated by that way if he wanted to go sit down with the FBI. I mean, he says he was having good conversations, his legal team with them. They thought everything was okay. So um, I, I think because these cases are out there so publicly with Hillary Clinton, um, with former President Obama, people see that and, and say, OK, if you're going to be hard on everybody and be tough about these documents and everybody, great. At least we just know there's a certain standard. But if it's going to be a completely different world for the former President Trump and his legal team um, and these other characters, you're tripping, you're chipping away at our ability to believe in these institutions and that they're neutral. Does this, uh, you know how this stuff works. If you get a warrant and it's an emergency, how unusual is it to wait days to actually execute the invasion, the raid? And if it was such an emergency, why do you wait? Because that's what happened. They got, they got the warrant days before. Mm-hmm. Is that unusual was- to wait? Well, I mean, it could be a number of things. If they feel like the stuff is secure, where we think it is, remember the former president says, they wanted a special padlock. His family has been saying they want a special padlock on this area, and we did it. And then we didn't really hear anything for weeks after that, and then they show up and have the raid. Um, they wanted to make sure he wasn't there. Um, I mean, to me, if you wanted it to be more low-key, I would have done the weekend, not a Monday morning. But um, I'm not running the FBI, as you may know. Right. Um, so I just – I don't know. I, again, if you're right, you know, yesterday the attorney general said we try to do the least intrusive means when we do these kinds of things. Um, which, again, sparks people to say, well, if this was of such um, national security import, again, why get the document signed off on? I think it was Friday and then not do the raid until Monday. So the more that we hear from the AG and the FBI, which hasn't been much, it just sparks more questions. And when you leave that you know, out there unanswered, it just creates more room for speculation. And, you know, former President Trump has, he has taken the narrative on this. I mean, he puts out his statements. He's kind of in the driver's seat now that they haven't given us a whole lot of information. So uh, from your experience, when do you expect to see something? I know three o'clock today is a cutoff, but what Mm -hmm. do you think? It could be. I mean, this magistrate could do it today because you've got both the DOJ who wanted the warrant and the guy who's the subject to the warrant saying, do it. We're not going to oppose it. In fact, we support it. So the judge really has no reason not to release it. And I think the warrant and the itemization list is not going to have classified information in it. It's, it's going to be something that will be easily released without, uh, you know, having to go through a bunch of redactions or anything like that. So we legitimately could get it this afternoon. All right. Shannon, congratulations again. You're going to be Thank great. You, I look forward to the build up to it. Now, are you going to take some time off? Or are you going to host your show up to the end? I think I will stick around for as long as they'll have me on Fox News at night. Um, but then I got to start working on new dance routines and choreography for Sunday. So I'll need a little bit of a you know rehearsal break in there. Will you have a band and comedians? Well, if you come, they'll have both. Ah, right. You pick off both boxes for me. I'm going to get you a tape because I want to be on your panel. Okay. Will you bring a cardboard box and do like the little beatbox and, and um, break dancing stuff that you're so good at? Can't you ever take me seriously as a, a, a deep a deep thinker and intellect that could raise the standard of your show? Okay, then you will be on the show as my first guest. How about that? This is and what, also break dance. This is what you got to uh, get ready. Just go, okay, Brian, what do you think? That's all you need to do during the panel section. And take it away. Right. Take it away. And I will not let go anybody over. else talk. <laughs> that's, that's what we know and love you for. Thank you very much, Adam Bream.
Have a great weekend. You too. One eight six six. You got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. What Shannon Bream is referring to is Saturday at eight o'clock. One Nation. Watch. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Got a couple of minutes here. And don't forget to watch, as I mentioned before, One Nation, uh, 8 o'clock amongst our guests. I went to Graceland. The Magic of Elvis is caught on the big screen. It's going to be an award-winning show. It's an unbelievable movie. Best one I've seen in a long time. And uh, it brought Elvis's music all the way back. Graceland's expanding. And I thought, let's go to Memphis and see how it affected the town. Part one of a two-parter will be on this Saturday. We also have uh, 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 Police Chief Bratton, as well as Dr. Oz, and Carly Shimkus will do the news duel. It's going to be a big show. Eric, listen, WDBO in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Eric. Hey, Brian. Um, you, you were looking for a theory, a real theory. Well, let's put it this way. If I were a former president and all of my documents were sealed, I'd want to know what Donald Trump has. Um, let's just put this as a, a rhetorical question. How does a man admittedly born... Barry Satoro, get a birth certificate that says Barack Hussein Obama. Your take on that. I don't want to start talking about that. Jim, WJRB951 in Georgia. Jim. Uh, Yes, Brian. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, taking my call. I never thought I'd be uh, inspired by Geraldo Rivera uh, for anything, but in response to his comment, I think President Trump was very smart in forcing the FBI to uh, justify uh, the rationale for conducting that raid. I think the the public spotlight will be right on them, and I think he is very smart in letting them uh, make the announcement, and I just wondered what you thought. Uh, I think he's been playing I thought President Trump did this real well. Depending on what they have, if they don't have anything, he played it perfectly. People write that uh, Joe Biden's having a great week and President uh, Trump isn't. Not really. Lachista Jane's been going after him for two and a half years. It finally came to a head. Good luck with that. His company's doing great. Uh, number two is uh, they're going after Mar-a-Lago as United Republicans behind him. He had a huge day on Tuesday, and I think 93% of all of his uh, hand-picked primary, uh, uh, primary candidates all won, 93%. And these won 17 in a row, too. So I think he's doing good. President Biden will get his... Uh, political win today. But long term, this new Green Deal will kill him and kill that party because it's ineffective. The infrastructure is not there. We are not ready. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We already know the shelter system can't accommodate New Yorkers let alone people who are thousands of people who are coming to this town. Have you talked to President Biden and said, basically, we need to reevaluate this policy? Well, you know, we're going to do, like I've stated for uh, the entire time in office, we have to pivot and shift in the face of the crises as they come towards us. We did it with COVID, monkeypox, and everything else that we have been facing. And when you look at the large number of migrants uh, and asylum seekers 
Uh, we have housed almost 5,000 thus far uh, since around May, and we're going to continue to do so. And, yes, we spoke with the White House uh, to d- discuss this issue and state that we need uh, help to get us through this moment. Well, get you through the moment with 4,000 in four months. Can you imagine 7,000 a day? That's the story in Texas. That's Mayor Eric Adams on with Rosanna Scotto on Channel 5 WNYW in New York. Uh, with me in studio is uh, one of the most successful uh, mayors. He did this thing called have a lot of success in the private sector, giving back his time and energy as mayor of Miami, Miami Beach, that is. Philip Levine joins us now. Great to see you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Brian. Great to see you. What brings you to the building? Well, the building, I was actually doing another show with your network this morning on Wall Street at Large, okay. which is a great show, uh, the Wall I agree. Street Journal. Yes, the Wall Street Journal here. Uh, this one-stop shopping at the New York Post and <laughs> everything here. Now that people are actually back in the building. Uh, and you even have a place in New York. Correct? I sure do. I love coming up. So, would you? I'm just curious. Before we dive into this issue, what's your on first blush? You haven't been here in a year. What's different? Uh, it's challenging. I think the city is facing tremendous challenges, and I think that uh, uh, unless they're able to uh, allow Mayor Adams to do what he needs to do, unless the DA has changed, unless the city council somehow takes somewhat of a shift, maybe towards the center, it's going to be very difficult to clean up the city. I feel like. I'm walking in the 1970s, Brian. I feel like it's New York City in the 1970s. That's what it feels like, unfortunately, to me right now. Hey, I, I just remember, because I was uh, much younger then, you wouldn't go in the city without uh, if you were anywhere under 18. You wouldn't do it. If you drove into the city, expect to lose your stereo. There's just no doubt about it. You always got the squeegee thing, and crime was everywhere. 42nd Street was a no-go zone. If your family found you there, you're in a lot of trouble. That's done for the last 25 years, and now it's all uh, blowing back. And a lot has to do with Mayor de Blasio uh, disempowering uh, the uh, a great uh, NYPD. And now I think they're having trouble getting back on track. From what Mayor Eric, uh, Eric Adams was just saying to Rosanna Scotto, how could he complain about 4,000 illegal immigrants when we know what's happening at the border there? It's a real challenge, and I think what has to happen is this. You know, coming from Florida, I understand illegal, you know, migration into undocumented people coming into our country. Unfortunately, we have a Haitian situation right now where Haitians are losing their life at sea before they get to Miami. It must happen in Washington. But instead of being a, a mayor, you know, and I like Eric Adams. I support Mayor Adams. I want him to be successful. Uh, mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C. But they need to engage these southern governors and mayors that are on these borders directly. Help them. Don't be criticizing them. Don't try to do – go down there and say your problem is our problem. In other words, I'm walking around the city. I see the problem. We know where it's coming from. Why don't Mayor Adams go down and and actually work with Governor Abbott and figure out how can I help you? How can I help you in Washington? How do we encourage the president to pass stronger immigration laws that's good for everybody in this country? What's very interesting is Bill Clinton didn't allow this. Oh, of course Bill not. Clinton did. Barack Obama didn't allow this. Right. And what happens is we used to say, how are you enforcing it? I don't like the way you're doing it. Now it's zero enforcement. And what I feel so bad about is the Border Patrol agents who live in the middle of nowhere, sacrifice a personal life. Either their families live in a more populated area or they sit in the middle of nowhere and their families are living with them. And they're being totally underpaid, underappreciated. They're in an impossible situation. Only 30 percent are on the border. When you're in the White House, why does it – because you're a Democrat – why does it work, do they believe, to their advantage to ignore the problem? Because somehow there is something in the Democratic mind that they think that they can win a Hispanic vote by allowing undocumented Hispanics into the country. My wife is Cuban-American. They do not want this. 
There are many Hispanics in our country. As you know, the Democrats are losing Hispanics because they are living in this echo chamber, Brian, which is the wrong echo chamber to be living in. People want strong borders. And, and, and I think that this is a losing issue for the Democrats, and it's a winning issue for the Republicans. We would, I, I'm, you know, from we've been talking for the last uh, 10 years, six, eight years, uh, with your political fortunes, too. You said, I'm going to go into politics, see how it goes. You're good friends with uh, Bill Clinton. You had a sense of what it's about. You've hosted a lot of fundraisers. You care about the country. Uh, you went to uh, you went to a great school over in um, uh, you got your master's degree in no University of Michigan you did political science yeah undergraduate so, and I'm a political scientist supposedly you took a speed course too uh, another <laughs> thing so you may yeah, yeah so you're and I went to Tufts and did that great course yeah, yeah. in Tufts with Admiral Stravitas yes. when he was over there so he's a, he was just on two hours fantastic. ago fantastic so I never thought in my lifetime we would see I thought there might be in, incremental growth with the Hispanic vote. Just like I thought it would be the black vote incrementally would come back to the Republicans if they made an effort. But it's coming back massively, not just in the Cuban Hispanic community, but generally. You you talk to your wife, but the Hispanic community seems to be as diverse as any community in the country. No question. So what's happening? Well, you know what, what's happening? What is the reason? What's, what's the reason? What's interesting about a Hispanic person, it's crazy, but they actually want capitalism. They actually want safe streets. They actually want police that enforce the law. They actually want to have their children have a better life than they did. And that doesn't mean that we should have porous borders and everyone coming across. And they see that. And that's why we're seeing a bit of a shift with Hispanics to the Republican Party. Crime matters too is what you're saying. Crime absolutely matters. I mean look at the city of New York we're in right now. I mean I could tell you this. Miami and Florida misses Bill de Blasio. We wanted him for a third term. Because if he got a third term, we could have cut our entire marketing budget for the state of Florida because right. everyone's moving there. And what's crazy is, and you're a dollars guy, so when you lose your tax base and the richest and most successful, their answer to trying to raise taxes on the people that stayed. Right. So it makes people feel like suckers. The one they can't st- they can't move are frustrated, and the ones they can move because just because they have money, it doesn't mean they want to give it away. A hundred percent true. And when you look at New York City, you look at these institutions, you look at these amazing buildings, everything that's here for everybody, that was built by capitalism. It wasn't built by socialism. It was built by capitalism. And what I don't understand is how they can't see this in this city because Florida sees it and Miami sees it. Oh, there's no question. Um, I'll tell you in the break, but I did get a house in Florida and with one of my affiliates is right there. And the feeling in Florida that wasn't even there five years ago is we're in a safe space, not for Republicans or Democrats, but allowed to live our lives. Um, no one's going to demand a booster to go in a building, a mask, go get a booster if you want it. Live your life. Here's the intelligence. Go with it as opposed to mandate it. Now, all of a sudden, some of the things I've been thinking and saying in Florida has been doing, and so is Texas, they're saying – Hey, let's loosen up those COVID rules. Wear a mask if you want to. Let the kids decide whether to get a booster or not. And, Phil, this is what drives me crazy. It's because of the election. If you're the, if you're the party that told those kids to go back on Zoom and made that four-year-old continue to wear a mask, you're going to get some re- retribution come ballot day. Absolutely. And there's no question about Which that. makes me fall the science. Yes. Well, I think at this point right now, I think most people realize and feel that COVID is not what COVID was. And I think that the country has moved on. Hopefully the world has moved on. And, and we're going to see better days ahead for everybody. You mentioned capitalism. John Mackey, the Whole Foods founder and CEO, was on a podcast. He said this about what he thinks is happening in this country. Cut 22. My so, concern is that I feel like 
socialists are taking over. They're marching through the institutions. They're taking everything over. They and uh, taking over education. It looks like they've taken over a lot of the corporations. It looks like they've taken over um, the military, and and it's just continuing. Yeah. I'm, so I'm I'm deeply concerned about. Um, you know, I'm a capitalist at heart, and I'm a liber I believe in liberty and capitalism. Those are my yep. my twin values, and I feel like, you know, with the way freedom of speech is today, uh, the movement on on gun control, um, a lot of the liberties that I've taken for granted most of my life, I think, are under threat. Is he right to feel that way? I think he should be. I think he's right. Do you know. Him? No, I never met him, but I hear what he says, and I think what he's saying is what a lot of people are thinking, Brian. And and it's not that you – there's nothing wrong with being pro-business, but you can also be pro-people. I mean being a capitalist and being a Democrat works beautifully because the, the greater our society grows through capitalism, the more that we can give back to the society. That's called capitalism. And, right. and I think he's right. Mayor uh, Phil Levine is here. He's former mayor of Miami Beach. You've seen him on a lot of national broadcasts, certainly on this channel – uh, and back in the private sector, in the cruise business. Mr. Mayor, uh, a couple of things. Today, there's going to be a massive bill signed. They say it's worth $700 billion, $369 billion of which are green energy, green technology, uh, whether it's 7500 to get an electric car or whether it's uh, money to, um, you know, whether it's money to treat people with black lung. They used to work in coal plants. Do you believe this is the right move for our economy at this point? All I could say is that uh, thank God for Senator Joe Manchin that he put a stop to the Build Back Better bills that of were going 40, to was that, that, four trillion. That, that, that was going to be take our inflation and put it into a different level. I mean, listen, Brian, we went through the Louis Vuitton Chanel Gucci PPP program, as you know, where we gave all the money basically to Paris for luxury products for everybody to have. This bill is more reasonable. This bill, I believe, even with a 15 percent uh, minimum tax for corporations, we have it for people. It's OK for corporations. The fact that it caps drug costs, it caps you know, insulin costs. I think there's a lot of positive to it, um, and I think it's a lot better than where we could have been. Uh, to call it inflation reduction uh, is a bit of a stretch. I could call it inflation distraction. So, so this is to me – the first thing you do is you, people – well, I wonder what, if he says what he means, if he means what he says. OK, first off, the title's wrong. Yeah, the title's a little – it doesn't make any sense. The CBO looked at it, nonpartisan. No one says it's going to reduce, uh, induce inflation. It's like the Vikings used to go into these islands and try to throw people off by misnaming them and say exactly what the opposite was. Uh, so a couple of things. The IRS, you, the more money you make, the more scrutiny you get, right? But I imagine, Phil, you could get pretty good attorneys and accountants to look out your watch your back. There's a lot of things you want to do. Hey, can I afford this? How much tax responsibility do I have? I don't need to be uh, tossed in jail. They're, they're putting $85 billion on to $85 billion into the IRS. will tr- literally double its budget, only 95%. And they're going to weaponize these people. And to me, they're not going after Jeff Bezos. They're going to go try to recoup this money and say it's paid for by going after average Americans. Am I wrong to think that way? I, I don't agree with you on that, Brian. I actually believe that the wealthy, wealthy and the largest companies have a tremendous army behind them of accountants and lawyers. True. And in order for the IRS to be able to have that same type of firepower, they need a larger So do budget. you think they're getting more agents to go after those bigger companies? Absolutely. And for wealthy, wealthy individuals that are putting money all over the world and aren't paying taxes where they should be paying taxes. Listen, here's the key. If we all pay our taxes, guess what? We'll actually have more for everybody, and we can reduce taxes. So you believe that this cobalt technology that has 1,200 inquiries every second into IRS, they can't keep up with anything, 
you believe that if they just get more agents, they're going to go after more international businesses that are putting money in the Cayman Islands? I mean, I, I, I think it's a combination of everything. And I believe that we need to make sure that the IRS is able to collect what it's due because it helps every one of us. I don't believe they're going after folks that are 400000 and below. I, I, just, I don't see it. Do you know uh, that 51% of those audited are, are earned less than $200,000? No, I don't know the statistics, Brian, but I do know that the, the wealthiest of us have a tremendous amount of, of firepower behind us and that the IRS needs to be able to match that. And I don't know do if this you, is the right you, number or not, but I just know that you, – you, You're at a level I'll probably never be. But um, there's money that you have that you can pay taxes on, but you might open up another business. There's money that you have that you might want to put in a strip mall. There's money that you have that says, listen, I've got a tax break if I go ahead and invest in this restaurant. So there's a way to have money to maybe grow money. So do you feel as though by going the IRS going after these people, you're not cheating on your taxes, you're growing the economy, and you're not allowing it to sit in a savings and be sucked up by the government into that abyss? But, do but you I, worry about discouraging people like yourself? Yeah, of course, and I don't think that's what this is about. And I think that there are ways that with the tax code being simplified but allowing for capital investment. Well, they're not simplifying the tax code. Well, I think that's a key. I think we need to simplify because the more complex the tax code is, the easiest for people is to cheat the IRS. And I think if we make it simpler, it's better. But I do believe that they're allowing for investment, and I do believe that that is part of the exemptions that are in there. That uh, Really? Yeah. All right, Nancy May said this. Tell me if you think this is rhetoric. Cut 21. 87,000 agents. The 3rd Infantry Division is about 21,000 soldiers. So we're talking about four infantry divisions of IRS agents that are armed, that are spying on your Venmo, your bank account. They say they're not going to go after those making less than 400000 a year. We've been told a lot by the Biden administration that just hasn't been true over the years. Um, and people are really angry about this. If they were hiring them to get their refunds faster, I think we'd all be cheering for joy because there's a huge backlog at the IRS. I get calls every single day about it, but instead they're going to be, uh, you know, going after hardworking Americans. You agree, disagree? Uh, I, I believe that we need enough agents to be able to enforce the law and to be able to collect the taxes that are due the government. More, but but maybe, we could, maybe we could take some of those IRS armed agents, we can put them in, uh, in Manhattan on every corner. <laughs> that would probably be a good thing right now Absolutely. and also all over Crime the country. Crime would be huge. That, no question. Uh, crime to attack crime would be used. To attack the border would be great. But the number one issue for Americans is inflation. You came from humble backgrounds. You didn't. You weren't born rich. Nope. You know what it's like when uh, when the price of goods gets up. Nineteen seventy was all about inflation, right? Yes. The price of goods. All of a sudden, you can't make your payments. So maybe you put it on a credit card in order to pay your phone bill. And that's that, that's how people are feeling right now. I think you're right. I think there's no question. We are living in the 1970s. I see it when I'm walking in Manhattan right now. It feels like the 1970s. We see it with our issue with Iran. We see it with the inflation that we're dealing with. We're seeing it with gas prices. I mean, there is a lot of similarities between the the malaise of the 70s and the Carter administration and what we're seeing today, unfortunately. Uh, Phil, great to see you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Fantastic. And uh, I'm glad you did the Wall Street Journal show. Former mayor of Miami Beach, he could be making a comeback. In the meantime, he's helping the economy because he is a capitalist and happy about it. Back in a moment. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. Got a few minutes. Just a couple of reminders. Don't forget One Nation, 8 o'clock. I got this great feature 
because the Elvis movie's number one in America, made billions of dollars, and it, it, it's a great movie. Elvis's music is rocketing up the charts again as if he's still alive. So I went out to Graceland, talk about the magic and why this guy still lives, what he means to Memphis. It'll be on One Nation. You'll love it. Number two is I got uh, Mayor Bratton on. You just heard me talking to Mayor Levine about uh, crime and what New York City's like. Mayor Bratton's uh, run things in Boston, New York, and Los Angeles. If you want to get things back on track, you talk to him. Talk to Ronnie Jackson about what's happening uh, with the president's health. Uh, Also going to talk about what's happening at our border in Texas and this big uh, fight we have between the mayor of New York City and the governor of Texas. We'll get him on that. Uh, and we'll have uh, Carly Shimkus on the news duel, and we'll open up on the latest with the series of raids on everyone from Trump to his minions have been the victims of these aggressive law enforcement raids. This has got to stop because Hillary Clinton, Pelosi's, um, not so much the Obamas for the most part, but I definitely think if you look at the Bidens and Hunter, there are some huge issues there. The other thing is, as you know, uh, I've written five history books, and I'm able to get on stage, talk about them, interact with you guys, and meet you. Uh, and I've got some uh, special events coming up September 8th back in Albany. Go to BrianKilmead.com. i got some seats in the center still left, not many. Then Tulsa, Oklahoma on November 13th, and on the 12th, Brandon, Mississippi. So go to BrianKilmead.com. And get the VIP tickets if you can, if it makes sense for you, because I'd love to meet and talk to everyone before the whole show starts. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to do a lot of this with Fox Nation. So in some cases, you'll be able to stream. Okay, see you on One Nation this weekend, and I'll actually be on America's Reports in about two hours. We're following all the breaking news on the records, on the invasion, on the raids, and so much more. Brian Kilmeade Show, keep it here. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.